Welcome back to Incremental, the continuous improvement podcast. This is our practice edition where we talk about improvements we've done during the week and tie them back to lean principles. I am Uriel Eisen. And I am Devin Bedoni. And you have a quote. We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Einstein via Toyota Kata. Yeah. I think I like that one. Um, I think like you have to sort of step back and be analyzing the whole system and sort of instead of just like you're in the work, you make a mistake, there's an issue in the in production, mm-hmm. like not giving yourself the time and the knowledge to kind of approach solving pro- solving problems differently than just like daily production, I think is. Yeah. And I think sort of the underlying focus is that you will never change your paradigm if you're unwilling to change how you think about things. Mm, I like that. That's a good point. Um, So if your goal is to be a company that does B, but you only think in terms of A, you'll never get there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that sort of harkens back to our last episode. If your focus is on production, you're very, you're much less likely to refine how you produce mm-hmm. and overall you'll be less effective yeah. at goal a. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a little rant. Yeah. Um, rant away. Henry holsters. If you don't follow them on Instagram, it's worth a follow. Mm-hmm. Um, great. A lot of very interesting improvements. Yeah. Um, some very simple ones, some more complex ones, but generally way more on the simple side. Yeah. And simple here is not, criticism and this is my rant (laughs) um there is such a selection bias with social media with just what gets people excited for improvements or just talking about big exciting moves yeah shiny yeah and like the big problem with that is twofold one it means that the content out there that digs into specifics like we just got into a conversation about how I press like uh, control C and control V for copy and paste, like which fingers I'm using. And then Devin showed me like which ones you use. And I was like, oh, that's better than what I'm doing. And (laughs) I'm going to try to change that. Like that is boring, (laughs) but it's actually really critical. And like we spend most of our day doing these little things, but then no one's sharing how to improve how to do those little things. Yeah. And it could be how you're holding your wrists, how well your posture, your ergonomics of, oh, you lift it that way. That's funny. I do it this way. Wow. Your way is better. Mm -hmm. And this partly gets to, why SOPs are so useful, but that's an aside. The second reason is because there's typically a lot more savings and much higher ROI on those really simple, quick, cheap improvements Mm -hmm. because they can shave a lot of time and they're cheap. And so it's just kind of cheap and always time and money generally. Right. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And it's just a little vexing and problematic because I think it shifts the emphasis onto things that are really, it's a mistake and everyone's wasting, including myself. Like this is not, Mm -hmm. I'm not above this by any means, but like it's so easy to focus on the big, juicy, shiny things. And another piece of this, we've talked about this on the podcast, but I'll mention it again. When asked, most workers like white collar, blue collar, every collar, mm-hmm. um, 
will self-report that about 85% of their job is value add. Mm-hmm. When audited, it is typically flipped. It is typically 15% is value add and 85% is waste. Yep. The reason that's relevant is it is way, way, way better to go chase that 85% and shave that down. But mm-hmm. in every task or operation, there is a tendency to focus on what you are trying to achieve rather than all the other stuff you need to do to achieve that thing. Sure. And this gets back into the sh- like if I am putting in screws, there is a very good chance that I'm going to be thinking about, oh, it would be great if I got a better drill. Um, like mine is a 12 volt drill. Battery technology has advanced so far. Let me get an 18 volt. It's so much <laughs> torquier. It's going to save me so much time. Maybe it will. But there's a very good chance that you're not putting in screws for eight hours out of the eight hour shift you're working, right? If you're like a general contractor, you are spending a ton of time on quoting, on invoicing, on like things that are not putting in that screw. Or even if you want to constrain it to just examining the process of a screw being installed, if there's any time being spent finding the correct screw that you need to put in, right and you're shuffling through your bins in the back of your truck like that is probably a much cheaper place to shave time out of your yeah. operation of putting in your seven screws than buying a new the, dr- the auto screw guns that like, like where it comes in on a ribbon like chain oh uh, yeah so cool Amazing. invented in world war one no machine guns in world war one. um anyway so that's my rant i think i really appreciate like people like henry holsters who share the simple things mm-hmm. I try to do that. The problem is, um, and this is not going to be solved, but it's just be, be really being like worth being aware of. It gets a lot less engagement on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It gets a lot less engagement on YouTube, but it might make profit. <laughs> yeah. It's going to make a lot more money. Like, <laughs> I don't know the other incentive that's really interesting. And it's funny me saying this, but yeah. it's always interesting to me looking at who is posting on social media versus the people who don't have time because they're making money. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. not that the goal is really making money. I mean, of well, life, maybe. It's a means to an end. Well, some people, it's the whole end, but yeah, I think for, for sure. you and I, it's a means to an end. Yeah. So, But it's just, it's interesting. Like I, I got into like microgreens. Like, yeah growing microgreens mm-hmm. and I was finding all these videos on how microgreens were such a great business <laughs> and like you can make hundreds of dollars and I'm looking at it and I'm like every person who says that pretty much if you click around they sell microgreen equipment <laughs> and I'm like okay I think the money is actually in convincing other people to buy <laughs> microgreen equipment classic pyramid scheme yeah I guess if it works, it works. <laughs> I, I My guess is that a lot of them start off by growing microgreens and then it's like, oh yeah, you can make money, but Just it's hard and much. you really, yeah. it's hard to go on vacation because if you miss a watering or your harvest time, your window is so like so yeah. critical, all these things. And then friends start being like, oh, where did you get that? And where did you get that? And it's like, mm-hmm. and you slowly shift into <laughs> selling equipment and then, yeah. Yeah. There's so many pyramid schemes going around in my parents friend group when i was a kid oh funny it was wild yeah it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm exposing my hippie heritage here but <laughs> the uh the blue green algae 
craze. Do you remember that? No. So there was all of these food products made with blue green algae. Okay. And it was like straight unadulterated pyramid scheme. And wow. <clears throat> yeah. So you'd like buy the stuff from the person and then you'd sell it to all your people. And it was just like lots of weird processed food with blue green algae added. <laughs> That's very funny. So I guess the differentiator between a pyramid scheme and a, I forget what they call it. Ponzi? No. No, there's like the the kosher version of a pyramid scheme where it's like peer to peer something or other sales. You're right. Um, Is just whether your primary purchaser is the end consumer or if it's the people who are like joining. Uh Uh-huh. Right. It's like if you're selling soap do you end up with a bunch of people who sign up to sell soap with like 50 boxes of soap in the garage or do you actually mostly sell soap? Right. And a lot of them, it's just like you convince people to also sell soap, but they can't actually sell soap. (laughs) So they try to convince their friends to sell soap, to try to make back the money that they have sitting in boxes of soap in their garage. Yeah. I, uh, (laughs) I just was trying to find it on, on, uh, Google and the first thing is what is a pyramid scheme and why is it illegal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anywho, Um, severe tangent. Yeah. Should we hit some improvements? Yeah. Um, Oh, also we had some good feedback this last week. Oh yeah. About, um, and I think we've sort of been coming to similar conclusions how the, the eight lean waste shouldn't be necessarily a rote like, uh, what was the phrase used? But like, it's not like a Bible. Like it doesn't, we don't need yeah. to like refer back to the alien waste to justify an yeah, improvement. Exactly. And not everything should be measured against that. Yeah. And that, and the point they made, which I think is extremely valid is yeah. that all of these things are really just tools to see waste. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah, I mean, like this one, you know, the alien wastes, like teaching it or learning it or walking around the shop with keeping them in mind makes it easier to see things. Mm-hmm. But there's also other frameworks that are also helpful. Yeah. And often it's helpful to switch frameworks from time to time Yeah. to see more waste. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think really useful feedback. I think for me, like I was sort of thinking about this. I think the useful part to me about the alien wastes in this podcast mm-hmm. and sort of trying to like shoehorn each improvement back into like which alien waste does it eliminate is it just gives us a, a bit of a framework, um, I think, to make sure that we discuss like more of the theory behind the improvement because I think it's easy for us to fall into a bit of a pattern of just reading off the improvements we made this week, yeah. which honestly like unless you also you the listener have the exact same problem (laughs) it's not very relatable or very interesting probably yeah yeah. so it's more about it's more about um yeah tying things back to like the lean principles and like what problem we noticed but even the specifics of the problem we noticed aren't actually interesting ideally there's sort of some pattern recognition that can happen as the listener Mm -hmm. where you go like, Oh, I don't manage those files, but I do manage other files. (laughs) Let me make that same improvement. Or like I don't use a CNC mill, but I do use a table saw and actually a lot of the things. So like it's, I think it's been helpful for us a little bit just to build that habit of tying each improvement 
it discussing is. each improvement in in a in the yeah in like a more theoretical and i think it's framework i found that there was a lot of things that i didn't see until i started to think in in some yeah. of these terms i think the one thing he said that was really good is that you don't need to categorize a given improvement against some quote eight wastes line item budget unquote <laughs> which i think is important to not again it's right. this constant um constant challenge of not becoming dogmatic about yes. any of this stuff and remembering yeah. the underlying purpose um anyhow that and not not to become myopically focused on the wastes at to the exclusion of the larger picture um right so just a reminder yeah like if you don't have product market fit in your business refine like getting wastes out of your processes is probably a waste of time yeah or what was the great example um uh anyway this is uh yeah from from brian so yeah. thank you brian for writing in there's a great deal of random material stored in the middle of the shop and people waste effort moving around it um which is something that might be hard to see i don't know he was this was a a real example from a stove factory in Uganda. <laughs> and he was just saying like, you don't need Toyota level analysis to see that there's a big pile of stuff in the middle of your shop that needs to be moved. Right. At the same time, it is helpful to walk around looking for particular things like, yeah. And, and I, each new thing is helpful to me and seeing think, more stuff. Yeah. Where a lot of the, I think maintaining balance is, is one way that the eight, waste is helpful because it's really easy to focus on one and like start to orient your shop like optimize for one and then to the expense of potentially others yes but uh there is a, the latest ame tour uh -huh. um on youtube uh, worth watching it's ame lean tours or something like that okay um they were saying that in looking at their shop it sounds like they're pretty metrics heavy they make like big insulators for like uh, power grid systems uh -huh. um that 85 percent of their waste i don't know how they came up with this number or right. if they're right was due to overproduction and waiting mm -hmm. and so they were like we're just focusing on those two and yeah. then we'll deal with the other ones later interesting um so i, I like yeah anyway hmm. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but every new set of metrics, I think, is a new lens to look at your production and reveals new things that you weren't sort of thinking of, like, which I mentioned last episode, the concept of expediting has become, like, something I just now cannot unsee. Right. Like, anytime you go, like, oh, let's change the order of these things, or, oh, why don't you do that first, and then I'll do this thing later in the day. Mm -hmm. Like, that is all indicating a problem and so like we've started seeing new levels of problems that we weren't really aware of yeah could you shoehorn that concept into the alien waste probably is there any point to that probably not mm -hmm. um i mean it is an interesting mental exercise and i think will lead to a deeper understanding of yeah. the thing yeah. um similarly like theory of constraints eliahu goldrat he has a different thing that he looks for namely sure. like inventory ahead of a bottleneck and that's what he's hunting for and yeah that is also a useful yeah lens yeah um cool yeah. well <laughs> let's do some improvements tangent tangent <laughs> you want to lead us off here all right sure so this is a funny one um i trimmed the trees along the highway 
um, because I I realized like you may need to explain where your shop is and that its is relation to the highway. <laughs> there is a two lane highway with shoulders. Uh, me and uh, my employee bike to work on the shoulder, and so it was like if there's ever an an incident like this is not safe because you have to potentially swerve into traffic or like brush through like low hanging branches. Yeah. And so that would throw a major wrench in production um, (laughs) to crash for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so it was just funny because I know Toyota talks or a lot, a lot of these books talk about like how far improvements can sort of extend Mm -hmm. outside of the shop Mm -hmm. or like there was an example of um, Knudsen who was the drink company. Uh, no, uh, the guy who sort of um, spear like like ran set up. I mean, there are a lot of other people involved. Um, the production of war stuff for uh, World War Two. Uh-huh. Um, I think his name was uh, Henry Knudsen. Is that right? Um, anyway, no, that's not right. Anyway, Knudsen. Um, freedom's forge great book yeah um an example of him touring factories trying to figure out how to get enough stuff made for world war ii and walk like pointing out a a, a leak like an oil leak on one of their workers cars and the guy was like that why are we looking at in the parking lot and he was like well (laughs) we need the people here Uh like there was an issue where the u.s government decided to like hold all rubber Right from U.S. supply, yeah, supply to only ship overseas, and Newton was kind of like, um, people won't show up to work. Like, yeah. they need tires on their cars. How are we doing that? Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, we trimmed the the. I trimmed. I just stopped, and I was a little late to work, and it was yeah. My improvement was, a few branches were blocking the shoulder, and so I cut them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like it. Um. Uh, Corum. So this is something we were talking about for a while, kind of on our ongoing tool management journey. Yep. Um, we set up our standard versus non-standard thing and the non-standard tools when we pull them out of a machine have ended up just kind of on a bench. Okay. Loose. Ah. Yeah. And they're in the way. Um, so we'd been talking about it for a while, but Corum finally designed and printed a caddy and made it in yellow so it matches the the color of our non-standard tags or whatever very nice so it's kind of just like tools go here and those holders are free for the taking if you need a holder for something gotcha like Um, you can disassemble this tool yeah basically very cool um yeah what if it's a tool that has like quarter inch end mill in a holder Mm -hmm. the standard version is like with one inch of stick out and right now it's set up with one and a quarter is that still free for the taking or how do you handle that well so we haven't we have a system that we came up with but we haven't really been using it yet that is still a standard gotcha it's like modified but a modified standard got it okay interesting so we need that's actually a good reminder we need to come back to getting more like what's the word um like following that process or? yeah just following that process properly yeah um and it's so hard <laughs> yeah. also like if it's not an issue it's not an issue right yep. now it's not right. an issue so yep. maybe it's just not a thing there's that too yeah um 
his name is William Knudsen or uh, Big Bill Knudsen. Big Bill. Big Bill. He was, he was big. <laughs> and his name was Bill. Um, so we, yeah, so a uh, problem we, I've sort of been noticing uh, trying to release new products. Um, mm-hmm. It is a core function of our business, though that may come as a surprise to some of you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we, we do want to release a lot more product. Um, we learned a lot from the release of our previous product, the three-quarter inch pin ladder lock mm-hmm. um and now we're working on a, a couple new ones that should be coming out soon um but i wrote out a list of all of the departments or like all the tools in the shop mm-hmm. and started sort of writing out how the new product affects each of them and it was interesting very helpful i think we're gonna like we so we sort of started writing out this list of like all the things that need to be considered to release a new product yeah um inspired by this may come as a surprise toyota um (laughs) uh writing sort of guides for how to do different things but maintaining um it's not meant to be a recipe it's not like to avoid squeaking in a car, do this. It's right. more like consider squeaking. Here are some of the things we've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, oh, interesting. So this is actually a product design, or this is a shop effects, or it's both. This is a how to release a new product in our shop. Okay. Uh, so ideally we can release new products with less rework i think is going to be the major thing mm-hmm. and less uh chaos and confusion across the shop when it actually hits yeah because i think it can be very reactive like w- we went through all the we're we basically walked around the shop and went how will this affect here mm-hmm. like one of the ones we're working on doesn't have racking holes so suddenly in the paint department we don't have a way to rack them mm-hmm. so it's like oh we need to develop new racks right probably before we launch this product so it's product design criteria but it's also like sh- production implications yeah i wouldn't even use the word criteria it's more like starting to build a okay let, let, let's say i hire another mm-hmm. product designer mm-hmm. it would be a huge waste if I couldn't just hand them a document that is like, hey, here are all the things we've learned from releasing the past product. Yeah. And so ideally we start codifying all this information and the learning as we learn along the way mm-hmm. so that anyone ideally should be able to read this book and design a product that works well from how webbing is, like how we develop friction, thinking through like the release angle, the um like how well it accommodates various size like thicknesses of webbing mm-hmm. and like just things that are easy to forget to consider until later in the process and then you have to revisit things yeah and that is all waste um interesting and it's just slow and frustrating because yeah. you're like oh fuck i forgot to consider that aspect and now yeah we're doing rework so um anyway so so yeah just started doing that so pretty excited about where i don't know just having that list i think is going to be big yeah cool well after my uh complaints last episode about not being able to run parts on the gripper um <laughs> we we did run more parts on the gripper this excellent week. um so one of the improvements was it was a small one but just updating our universal macro uh-huh. to run on the new tray pretty straightforward um so what was the problem you noticed i mean it 
well, the problem was our universal macro wouldn't run on the new tray because all of the t- layout was different and d- oh, dimensions were different. Okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. The problem right. was we couldn't use it, <laughs> so we had to be able to use it. Nice. Yeah, uh, you know, relatively straightforward. And I was kind of gearing myself up for some like surprises and gotchas, and thankfully there were none, and it just ran. Which was Isn't that hilarious? Pretty cool. Watching the automation, it looks complicated. It's so simple. <laughs> um, I so after we we've been talking a bit about how to structure yeah all those macros and file management questions and this and that. So after that conversation, I just implemented a new product on the gripper, mm-hmm. and I was painfully aware <laughs> of all of the editing I had to do yeah. after our conversation. I think before that I was just like relieved that I didn't have to, like, it's just so much better than the previous methods. Right. You're just relieved. So that it's it like, worked. wow, this automation is awesome. Yeah. All I have to do is all this. And this time I was sort of like, I have to do all of this. Yeah. Including, which we talked about and I sort of wrote it off as like not a big deal at all, changing all of the program numbers inside the macro, the sub program. Yeah. And it's like, if you mess that up, it's really bad. It's high consequences. High consequence, yeah. very fiddly, and completely unnecessary. Yeah. So So you're on my team? Is I'm that what you're saying? 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I would love to discuss further. Because, yeah, I think there's like, I don't know. It. I, I feel like it took me two hours before I was like, yes, this just runs. Mm-hmm. And you're changing like X, Y coordinates like that. It just feels like stuff you should be able to probe for or whatever. Like I almost wanted to write like a routine for probing that you run first. Yep. The first time. And that updates all of the things you need. Mm-hmm. I've put is some there, thought into that. It's a little complicated, but it's definitely yeah. doable. Well, I was just going to ask, is there any, probably not, this would be a bad idea. Is there any way to rewrite your G code program from code? Like I know you can rewrite a macro variable, but I don't think you can save it back to the program. Wait, sorry. Oh, right. Uh, well, you'd because you'd, you'd have to sur- make the the program have a variable. Right, but then if the next program used used the same variable, it would overwrite it. Yes. So I'm trying to store it. What what variable are you trying to store? Like the X, Y, or say the Z position on a stock size. Yeah. And then you want to keep that with part A always stored in part A because you're gonna next time you run it, you're going to use the same stock. Mm-hmm. But then when you run part B... Well, if you probe each time, it would just... No, but the point is you wouldn't. You would just oh. probe it as the setup. It would like record all these coordinates. It would write it into the program. Mm-hmm. And then every time you wrote, used it in the future... Anyway... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Those long macros are a short, hassle. Long story and short, we need to simplify the macros. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, nice. We added. Um, we have our spray, our like you know Windex and whatever in one place in the shop, and I was always walking across the shop to get a paper towel. Yeah. And so we put a paper <laughs> towel holder um, on the same shelf. Yeah. Uh, so now, cause normally you like find something you want to clean and then you walk over to get the cleaner. And so it just made sense to have walk over, get the cleaner and a paper towel mm-hmm. and then walk back, do the cleaning mm-hmm. and then put the thing away. I think in a small shop, it's easy to forget about walking across the shop being a waste. Yep. Like it makes sense if it's like building to building or like, you know, it's a 10 minute walk to the next department, but it's, yeah, it's like. 
there's like an efficient kitchen. It's meant to be like you look at the triangle between the sink, the stove, and the fridge, and the smaller that triangle is, the better. Yeah. And I think it's not a triangle in a shop, mm-hmm. but probably activity by activity, you could sort of start to think about that. And I like it does add up. Yeah. And in fact, in our shop, it's like at least a penny per step. Which adds up. Like <laughs> that sounds like not a lot, but actually, if you start counting that up, you have a decent budget for fixing these problems. Yeah, no, I was thinking about how my feet feel at the end of a day, and I was like, "That's expensive." Yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> um, that kind of leads into this. It sort of an. Imp- I don't know if this counts as an improvement, but um, a lot of improvements will flow from it. Uh, we signed a lease on a new space. Wow! Last week. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, it is huge. All kinds of, all kinds of huge, all kinds of the everything. Um, and I've been spending a lot of time thinking about layout, which is part of the reason I haven't been making actual improvements in our our current shop. Uh, but yeah, that kind of like, it's interesting trying to break down material flows, information flows and people flow and trying to do a layout that accommodates all of it effectively. Okay. Um, and sort of like figuring out what your commonalities are, where things can be in a way that information and material and people can kind of move as one. Gotcha. I don't have a good answer yet, but yeah, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about it. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting to have the freedom to kind of start from scratch, knowing what you know now from the last place, but also mm-hmm. it seems like such a big leap yeah and such a shift that it's you might just make a whole new set of mistakes it's very possible and i in my head i keep finding myself like i'll I'll like start doing a layout in my head and then realize that i've I've laid everything out in like a quarter of the new shop hilarious i mean that's probably good (laughs) well it's the size of my current shop but i'm saying in high school we got a big shop yeah at one point then it flooded but um we set up when we moved in it was like wow there's so much space so we had yeah. like a whole hardware area and a tool area mm-hmm. and then this area and and then it was like oh i forgot a box of screws and then you'd literally get back like four minutes later or yeah. five minutes later and you're like <laughs> so then we tr- we totally redid it and yeah. then, like tried to make it as small as possible yeah it's like just because you have the space doesn't mean it's cost effective to use it. no i'm not planning to like try and sprawl yeah too yeah, much no. Um, it's more like, how do we make this effective, but also able to, account, you know, accommodate expansion in the future yeah. easily while maintaining good flow now? Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's exciting and terrifying and yeah, that's, that'll be very, it's going to be cool. Interesting. Yeah. Congrats. Um, I know you've been looking for a while. Mm-hmm. Big move. Um, I guess literally and metaphorically. <laughs> uh, so um, Sam improved the assembly area um, of our shop. We're I think we've talked about this before, but just the lack of space. Um, it's not really the issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to say the lack of space. I think this gets into the A3 question. Like we started doing an A3 and mm-hmm. it's like, we don't care about space. We care about sufficient space to do the activities we need to do space yeah yeah and and actually more space makes it 
less effective directly in some ways, like how far you need to reach to get the parts you want. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions around this, but the latest improvement is just to accommodate some of these new products we're working on Mm because last product launch, we forgot to consider new inventory space at our assembly area, which definitely heightens the awareness of some of the issues associated with inventory, Mm. even though our product is so small. I was like kind of think about like in that example email a stove company we make mm-hmm. buckles that are like a one inch by one inch right if we were making stoves this would be like so consequential yeah it is still consequential but not nearly as yeah um so that was good just uh preemptively kind of figuring out how much space we need making that space getting stuff out of there that we don't need um I'll tie another. We got a like a keyboard drawer to go under the oh yeah desk Classic. so that yeah because we don't actually use the keyboard very much. It's more like a reference computer there, and mm-hmm. it runs our laser. Mm-hmm. But like it's more yeah, so it's intermittent use. Um, oh, question for you. Yeah, you started using the um, the fast cap like quick. What is it? Quick pipe or something to rapid, make yeah. rapid pipe? Yeah, to to build benches and desks. Yeah. Has it been good? Um, yes, yes. And, um, yeah, we're using, uh, I'm forgetting the name maker pipe. Okay. The, the reason we went with maker pipe over fast cap was that they offered and fast cap may have launched this, but they offer fittings for three quarter inch conduit rather than one inch. Ah. I did a quick calculation of some of the projects we wanted to do. Um, and the added cost of one inch conduit is pretty substantial uh-huh. and i just didn't feel like we actually needed the strength of one inch conduit for a lot of the stuff we did mm. and really the goal for me was to have a universal building method it's probably not universal sure but enough so that trying new things wasn't really a consideration it wasn't like you know when you like oh do i really want to cut up like a sheet of plywood uh-huh And the conduit, the three quarter inch conduit, I think 10 feet is like eight bucks instead of like 12 or 16 or something. Uh So it just felt like we'd be more. So the plan is to sort of have a lot of these fittings, have a lot of the conduit, and then just freely sort of cut it down. And then if we disassemble stuff because we change the design or something, mm-hmm. we just will have some scrap storage areas uh, uh, in different lengths. Yeah. And so it's not just like, I, you know, wasting is a bummer. I don't know, from a few <laughs> angles. So right. so the, the goal was to sort of lower the friction to trying new fixtures and like put a lamp up over the bench, yeah. put a tool tray over here. It hasn't hit that point for me where it's like so easy. We just do it. Right. And I was hoping it would. And I think we need to get a little bit better at just cutting stuff and just trying stuff. Do you have like a porta band that you keep handy for like chopping it down or how are you handling that? Right now we put it on our bandsaw, which is a bit of a hassle, but that's not, I think actually this would be an interesting like a three, um, to do, but, um, I'm th- in thinking about it now, like what is the obstacle that's keeping us from just using it? I would say is like, an, a, we don't have enough like flanges or like ways of attaching it to things mm. like getting from like the plywood wall to conduit right now. It's like, eh, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to mount that. I think maybe is part yeah. of 
is probably one obstacle. Um, and then the other is just like, it's still a project. Yeah. It's not as long of a project, but yeah, I, I like, I like it. It's like rigid enough to be useful. Mm-hmm. Everything. T- yeah. I, I, I do like it. Cool. In the context of a new space, I'm definitely gearing up to make a bunch more little workstations and stuff to better utilize some of our, we have a lot of like overlapping processes in workstations right now. Right. That is not ideal. Yeah. And so I'm going to, there's going to be like, we need a computer here. That's just for this. Yeah. Where you're not having to move a bunch of stuff out of the way to do whatever it is you need to do. Um, <clears throat> so I was thinking about going that direction. I think it's a good direction to go for a few reasons. Like I calculated it. I had, um, Sam built a workstation recently mm-hmm. out of it. I'm guessing with his time and it was his first time using it. So he'll get faster, but it was probably around 120 bucks. That's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. You can buy a table for around that, but we are building skills in the shop um, sure. at the same time. And it and might not we be can a table build you want. Exactly what we want. Yeah. And I think the bigger part, which is another barrier to using it more, is the more stuff is made out of it, the easier it is to then add stuff to it because mm-hmm. it, like we can clamp to the, exi- you know. Right. And so that would be another reason to use it interesting like if all of our shelves were made out of it and we just had like bars on the walls for like storing things and like it would be so easy it's like oh i want a lamp okay i'm adding a lamp using that all the same hardware yeah we're gonna build a little photo area um for product photography Uh and i'm gonna do it out of that and then it'll be easy to add lights to and yeah different things so cool Uh, uh we need to wrap up here but a question to the listenership um one thing I'm planning to do is to have a horizontal or yeah, a vertically stacked, but horizontally laying stock rack for our incoming material. Um, and Meaning bars are laying down. Bars are laying down, but on like arms coming yeah, out yeah, of yeah. our okay. rack. If anybody has a good, has experience with existing products that they like or a design for a product or a design for a, um, a system that they have found to be useful, please reach out. Um, my scheme right now is that everything comes in for a job, gets tagged, goes on this rack, and then afterwards goes onto a separate rack that's just for offcuts and extra inventory material so that we're not overlapping the oh, two. Oh, nice. Smart. So it's easy to parse and figure out what's what. Very cool. Yeah. Anyhow, that's all I got for today. Same. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we will catch you next week. You can find me at lichen underscore MFG on Instagram. And you can find me at austere underscore manufacturing, also on Instagram, and the podcast at incremental CI on Instagram. Love hearing from y'all, and uh, yeah, till next week. Adios.